Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And this is going to be the most uncomfortable podcast we've ever done, because normally we're a good, I don't know, hour and a half away from each other, but today I'm about 24 inches, and so I'm looking deep into your eyes as we do this podcast, and I can't tell you how uncomfortable I am right now. The podcast has gone to the next level in our relationship. <laughs> we're taking it to new places together. That's creepy. Which, by the way, um, <laughs> I have to share this story before we get into the podcast, because you know, that's how we do it here on the old Church Planner podcast. So, Just for Joey Roper, though. Well, this is actually for uh, Julie and Charlie. Oh. So I didn't even know that they listened to the podcast. They do? Well, here's the thing. Like, okay, so everyone, everyone, so Joey knows. <laughs> Joey, our one listener. <laughs> so he knows as he's listening to this um, who Charlie and Julie are. All right, so Charlie was the co-pastor yeah. at Long Beach, and yeah. now he's planting... Excuse me, planting in Whittier, and Julie's his wife. So I get this Facebook this afternoon, and Julie's like, "Yeah, we were just listening to uh, podcast number twenty-four, the one about the nipples." <laughs> Remember, is that the where I lift my shirt up? I don't think that was the one. Oh. I think that was when we were talking about Adam. You know, did Adam have nipples? All oh, right. Oh, that that nipple conversation. <laughs> That's because <laughs> we've had multiple nipple conversations. We have. They're fascinating. Well. And I still don't get them on men. I don't. I don't understand what they're there for. I just. I don't get it. So we appreciate women because <laughs> ours don't work and theirs now, do. Now, now, what? don't go into places I did not intend with that. But I'm no just saying. Idea. I'm just saying because we look down, and we're like, oh, those do nothing. <laughs> they're but decorative they're only. only. Functional, you know. They're I have babies only. right now. They're they're cool, and then we're like, man, women are cool. They're like a mobile refrigerator for babies, <laughs> except it's not cold. It's warm milk. No, but you know what I mean. They're okay. A a mobile larder for babies. This podcast has just started out on the <laughs> wrong foot all the way. If we were a self-respecting church planner podcast, we would actually restart because 
the words keep coming out. <laughs> that can be a bad thing, but no, we won't do that. Because we're not so, self-respecting. So, so going back to uh, Julie and Charlie and Nipples. No, I was just, that was it. That was the end of the story. Oh, right. It was just, she's like, wow, that was so funny, the nipples on the... And so I, like, didn't know how to respond to that. I just put LOL. <laughs> yeah, it, what's really bad is we'll have to tell her, we actually don't know what nipple conversation you're Which nipple conversation to. that was. I think that was the one about Adam. This would, Adam count as our third, this would count as our third nipple conversation. I don't know. I think we've brought it up more than once. Well, see, here's the thing. And and <laughs> and uh, our, our, our listener has to understand this. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, we were recording all kinds of podcasts with just incredible people. Um, Jill Martin. Rich, Richie. Richie? Yeah, Richie. Richie uh, who's Walter Martin's daughter. Um, and then we had a whole bunch of other ones. So. We were like, our, our week was filling up, and I think we talked about nipples on one of those as well. Yeah. So I'm a little bit, I don't, you know, they're all getting confused. <laughs> we must be really highly fascinated with nipples. I think that's You didn't say to. that. <laughs> <laughs> on men. Well, that's even worse. <laughs> Speaking of Duck Dynasty. Yes. Oh. Yes, indeed. Uh, Pete told me we we're going to have Phil Roberts. Uh, is it Roberts or Robertson? Robertson. Yeah, you told do me. Do you watch the show? I I do. I just don't know his last name. I I find that show fascinating. I you know here's the it's thing because of the crap they eat. That's why I watch it. I want to see him eat frogs and stuff. See, here, here's what what you guys have to understand. You're listening to this right now. Normally we record on Friday, but we screwed up Friday so bad that here we are Sunday. It's after church, and we're recording so we can get this out tomorrow morning for our typical Monday morning podcast. And this whole last week, we love our listener. We love our listener. Yeah. This whole last week, my Facebook news feed has literally just been littered with like every Duck Dynasty story and every commentary from every church planner. I, I don't know if it's because I've got so many Christian friends. Literally, like every probably two out of every three stories in the, the Facebook news feed is about Duck Dynasty mm-hmm. to the point that I'm actually sick to death. Of the whole Duck Dynasty thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, I, I purposefully stay out of these arguments. Just there's kind of a thing where, like, for me, right, I, I guess I'm a gospel preacher. I lived in Europe, and I seize opportunities to talk about the gospel. And it doesn't matter if it's like Voltron, doesn't matter what it is, you know, um, Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code, Life of Pi, some movie, whatever, but... Um, this is not the conversation I want to be having. And what I feel like what happens when these things blow up in the media, the media is choosing the conversation. And as a gospel preacher, I don't want to let anybody choose the conversation right now. This mm. isn't the conversation I want to have, especially to represent Christ right now. Right. And so you're finding people polarizing. And I am so jealous for the gospel message that I, I'm very, very careful what conversations I enter into if the if the it's kind of like you know Margaret Thatcher she was she was one of the most brilliant leaders that Britain ever had and uh, that, that the was, world has ever seen well not just Britain yeah I mean she was incredible one one of the things you did not want you did not want Margaret Thatcher or Maggie uh, as your enemy right um, she had a way of in in what she would say is like let's say you disagreed with her on a on a political issue right she would completely seize the conversation. She'd talk about your five affairs mm. and just completely derail the con- – she'd just drop a comment and completely derail the conversation. 
And the reality is you never had five affairs, but boom, she fought dirty and that was it. And what she was doing, and she had a quote that said, never let your opponent choose, uh, choose, uh, what was it? The, um, oh, now I'm screwing it up. Never let your opponent choose, uh, the arena, mm. never let them choose the battlefield. And so what she was doing is she was taking, when they were raising things or dealing with something she didn't want to talk about, she completely changed the conversation. She redefined the battlefield. She redefined the arena. And she really relocated the whole conversation to where she wanted to go. That's awesome, dude. What did you sit on? I just got a text. <laughs> Buy milk and <laughs> eggs. My wife said, make sure you pick up my birth control. I Don't know, worry. I that's know. the one thing I will go to the store and pick up. <laughs> We're sticking at one kid. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, no, we're sticking at one kid. So, you know, here's a deal. I've seen uh, Peyton and Andrea. One and done. (laughs) One and done. So, uh, yeah. I've seen Julie and Charlie. (laughs) One and done. (laughs) But here's the deal. You know, when when it comes to these conversations, don't let the world choose the conversation, the gospel is too precious for that. Be careful with these. And, you know, and the thing that to me is just because as Christians, we do this all the time in politics. Oh, my gosh, are we obsessed about politics? And we've talked about this on the podcast before, whereas Christians were like, well, you, you got to be a Republican. I mean, how can you not be a Republican if you're a Christian? You yeah. know, and it's like and we've actually both said on the podcast as well that you and I both are not Republicans. No. I'm a, I'm a decline to state. I don't know if you're yeah, a decline. Same here. Yeah. yeah. Which means, actually, in California, I get to vote in the uh, Democratic primary. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not a Democrat, but I always go in there and I go, <laughs> who would be the easiest person for someone else to beat? That's who I'm going to vote for. <laughs> but, but, um, but, but we, as, as Christians, we get obsessed with these things to the point where – we think that, like, to be a good Christian, this is the conversation we need to be having. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a friend of mine. He's a great marketer, so I don't know if he's doing this from a marketing standpoint or what. It's actually the guy who um, who offered me the uh, the gig that I told you probably would have been worth, you know, $300 million yeah. to me. He's a brilliant marketer. We would have had that RV by now. No, no, because okay. it would have been a long play and it would have been. It would have been all stock options, so it wouldn't have all been right. until the end. But um, but one of the things that he's been running on Facebook is basically getting everyone to join this uh, cause, if you will, um, keep Christ in Christmas. And there's probably nothing like that polarizes Christians more than that. They're like, yeah, don't call it Xmas. It's Christmas. And it's yeah. like they just are obsessed with this. And I used to be the same way, right? Mm. I'd be like, no, it's Christmas. But you know, well, every time you say "Happy Holidays," an elf dies. <laughs> an angel gets its wings stripped. <laughs> you have to say Christmas. I mean, you know, no, I'm teasing. Right? No, no, no. it's a stupid. I agree. It's stupid, but, and it's interesting because I think it was either you or or uh, Chris Langham uh, from our church. Uh, Chris Langham's now your your co pastor. I don't know if that's the right term yeah. for him, but he's a teacher on our team. And so. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that you guys have been saying that I, I totally agree with is it's not the world's responsibility to keep Christ in Christmas. No. Like, they they don't understand Christ. They don't have a relationship with Christ. Why are we going to be upset when they want to take Christ out of Christmas? Yeah. It's our responsibility to keep 
Christ and Christmas. Absolutely. It's it, it, what you see right now is you see the death throes of the church that is not a missionary entity. So we're, we're seeing the death of the established church or what, um, Alan Hirsch, uh, Michael Frost would call Christendom, the establishment of church where it's, it's linked with main, mainstream society, mainstream culture. And all you have to do is go live in Europe or other parts of the world where, um, say China, where Christianity is not the predominant spiritual belief. And suddenly you begin thinking like a missionary. And so when I've come back to America, I, I, I still think like a missionary. So I, I kind of smirk when I see people, um, more excited about, uh, what's happened over Duck Dynasty. And just completely reacting over that rather than being more upset with the fact that in Uganda right now, um, if you uh, are a homosexual, the Christian government will jail you for life. Mm. Now, if Christians would think missionally and think as missionaries and think, how are we going to really represent Christ to this culture? They would actually take a stand against that. And that would do more than fighting for Phil Robertson on Duck Dynasty for Christians to stand up and say, that does not represent Jesus, and we stand against that. Mm. If you want to preach tolerance, if you want to preach, um, you know, representing Christ and the grace of God, see, that's redefining the conversation as saying, I can present the gospel if I, if I define the arena in this way. And I can actually share about the grace, love, and mercy because now I'm not the one who's the, you know, uh, being portrayed as the demonic monster here. I stand up and say, hey, you know what? God does have something to say about homosexuality, but this is not representing Christ, what's happening in Uganda. And it's the same thing when, when AIDS broke out. I've, I've said this before on the broadcast that if the church had actively championed the cause of those with AIDS, we would have earned a seat at the table. And we would never have been labeled as bigots. We would have been able to pour all of our money into fighting and championing like Rick Warren does with AIDS research um, and then still be able, we'd be able to say whatever we want. And you know what's funny, like specifically about the AIDS conversation is as a child, I remember the basic, because remember, I grew up in the church, unlike you. I I grew up in the church and I remember the basic conversation was, well, you know, this is the consequence for that. You know, the wages of uh, of sin is death. And, you yeah. know, homosexuality, well, here you go. You're, you're, Excuse me. You're, you're going to have to deal with AIDS now. Yeah. And, of course, today we know that, it's, it's, I mean, it's not just the homosexual community. I mean, heterosexuals are getting AIDS. You can get it from blood transfusions. I mean, you know, and it's almost like we're sitting there going, oh, hmm. Well, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. This disease was supposed, this disease was supposed to be, you know, over there and over there only. That's it, man. That's it. And so I think, you know, when we're talking about this in relation to church planning, I mean, it's kind of been the the buzz in the media and I don't think we came into the podcast thinking today we were going to talk about it, but um but I think it's always important if 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 you're going to be a church planner, you are going to be a missionary. Right. And you just have to be thinking that way all the time as a missionary. And that's so, the thing. I think for church planners, this is the conversation that you need to be thinking about. How am I going to address this? I mean, we've talked about this. We're in the middle of Long Beach. And you We're in the said, Rainbow District. Well, well, you even said today when I got here to the house that you never felt more white than you did today. Because, oh, like, we'll, we're going to talk a little bit later about yeah. the event that we had Friday night. Yeah. And the 
only white people at the event were people from the church. Everyone else is from the community, uh, mostly black and Hispanic yeah. from the community. It, it, and not only that, there were no white people that came to our outreach. It yeah. was exclusively the only white people there were were from the church. And what's good about the church is it itself is a mix. Yeah. So, you know, but... It, but my, my point is, is like, that's the community that we're in. Yeah. And so we're also, because we're in Long Beach, we're in a very liberal community. Yes, indeed. So, like, I, I don't know if I've said this on the show. I probably have. But I'm so conservative in every way that I can't stand the Republican Party because I'm so conservative. Right. And we don't talk about any of that in the church. Right. Because, like you said, that's not the conversation we want to have. No. So, I mean, how am I going to share? I mean, you know, I, I'm not the one up there preaching, but the principle still holds. How am I going to share the gospel with someone who's so offended at me already? You know, yeah. They're already like, oh, I can't listen to a word that comes out of your mouth because, you know, you're you're some middle class white dude who... Yep believes that, you know, all this uh, welfare that I'm getting is bad, but if it wasn't for this, I couldn't take care of my kids. Absolutely. And, you know, so on and so forth. And so I think for church planners, this is the conversation you need to be thinking about. Where do I want to make my stand? And how do I want to approach these subjects yeah. in a church where the lost are coming? Absolutely. If you've got a church full of the saved, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I have no advice for you. Well, and, and this is one of the funny things, Pete. Like, you and I are always laughing because I always want to put these, like, funny movies up and pictures of it. And you're like, dude, no, we got a message and we got we to gotta be precious. Like, you're a marketer. And, and, and so you're always thinking you... You, no, you that, can't. my comment was, no, I want to make sales. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the deal, right? Like, you're... you're to you, space is important. Every word counts. Yes. You don't have room to mess around. And so I'm always like the non-marketing guy. It's like, hey, man, you know, like, let's say this. And and, and you're like, no, you know, we, we can't do that, man. And and so, it, you know, it, no, you're, it's you're right. That's actually a really good analogy because yeah. if you're thinking about. Oh, I'm a preacher. I come up with those all the time. <laughs> what is my end goal supposed to be? Yeah. Then the path that I take to get to that end goal is vitally important. Yeah. When I'm doing a product launch for a client, I typically will take over. When we're doing product launches, we're usually doing them on the Internet. And we're usually doing a, something that's referred to as content, content, content pitch. So we're giving people great content. And then a couple of days later, more great content. A couple of days later, more great content. Yeah. And then finally, all right, here's the product that we're offering you that ties in with all the content that we've given you. And I will take over their email accounts and I will not let them send out any emails that have not gone through me. Because when, you, when you're going down this funnel, I don't want you veering off one way or the other. I yeah. want, I, there's a specific path that I'm taking you down. And, and so, I mean, I think that's a great example. It is. When we're having that conversation with the lost, I mean, what's the, con what's the content we want to have? Yeah. Let's be very careful about this message that we're, <laughs> we're uh, giving to people. <laughs> Excuse me. Before we, you know, do the, do the, it sounds weird. I'm talking about no, salvation. No, but, but you're, and do you're the right. offer, do the clothes, talk about the grace of God. Driving man. home, boy. But, but here's the thing. It, it's so funny you're saying this because, uh, Brandon Brooks came, uh, to the church today again and, uh, he's, he's guy listens to the podcast 
And um, it was funny because, you know, we're finding people, even today, there's a woman, she's like, I read Church Zero and I read on the back that you're in Long Beach. And I thought, man, I'm not too far away. And so she came and visited. But um, we're seeing people kind of turn in that um, they're curious, you know. And one of the things Brandon did, he he stood up and shared his testimony. Today was our uh, Christmas service and, um, and and we had a testimony because our my way of thinking is, I'm going to get people. I may never see them again. They may be in hell at the end of their life. And they need to hear the clearest presentation of the gospel that they can today. And the end of their life could be in another hour. Absolutely. You have no idea. Well, dude, I got I got in an 80-mile-an-hour accident last night with the babies. I mean, I'm. it's a miracle that I'm alive right now. Like, it's absolutely a miracle that, that we did not go off... We were on the five Avery Parkway. It was a big slope. We almost got completely driven off the road. Dude, I told you I'm sorry. I won't drink again when I drive. <laughs> I told you I, I shouldn't let you drive, but that is gone, a joke. We shouldn't everybody. have gone to Iowa. That is a joke. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. Um, Brandon gave a compliment, and I, and I thought it was such a big compliment. He said, you know, he goes, I came here, and from the first week, I felt the presence of the Spirit of God. And he said, and look, I mean, there's no fog machines. There's no crazy light shows. There's not. This is all the crap that people focus on. We're going to talk about the launch date. Mm-hmm. We are, by the way, listener, we are going to talk about. Um, we're, we're here today. <laughs> we're, we're here to talk about um, the the continuation of, you know, we talked about our first night. We talked about your mission statement. Talked about all that. Now we want to talk about the second date, which is the uh, commitment cutoff night. They remember the three dates and we promised we get back to the last two and that's today. Today is that day. Uh, but what we kind of, you know, what I want to say is that you don't need all this other crap. What people want and your launch date should have this from day one is authenticity. Mm. And that's what Brandon, like that's the hugest compliment. Someone once asked Disney, what what's the hardest uh, feature to to draw on any Disney character? And um, he said, sincerity, hmm. sincerity, authenticity. And and that's exactly, if you watch Bambi, you know that they took, uh, I mean, he nails what a, what a deer does, right? In that cartoon. I mean, you, you feel like you're watching deer. Okay, the rabbit's not believable. The skunk's not believable. But the deer, they brought live deer in. And those artists studied the movements, the shape, everything about a deer. And they animated hmm. a cartoon deer. And uh, you can see the pictures where there's like a pin and all these artists sitting around, these cartoonists sitting around watching a deer just do what deers do, you know. Um, so, you know, as we're looking at this, I, that's what people need to see. When we're talking about the launch date. I'm not going to talk about this big ramp up and rev up to, you know, this and that. Even with our outreach last Friday night, it was communicating the gospel. It was the gospel in action and everything that we did, and I even said this to the people that returned this Sunday morning, that I explained what they saw was I broke down everything we did and said, this is the gospel. And um, so that's it. So we should probably talk about our uh, second night. Yeah, let's get into that because we are going to bring up what we did on Friday because um, that's part of this whole process. So when you hit your uh, commitment uh, your core team commitment cutoff. Remember the first night was, uh, the vision night. And then you say to people, look, you know, if you liked what I said, then, uh, I'll see you every week, you know, until we launch. And now what's going to happen is remember you're meeting 
outside of Sunday morning. Don't ever meet your core team on a Sunday morning. They've all got churches to go to, and they're they're checking you out. They're not sure that you're not some crazed nut and that you have no idea what you're doing. So they're going to just kind of travel with you a little bit. They're going to come. They're going to eat your coffee cake. They're going to drink your coffee. And then they're going to sit around with you and uh, get to know your vision. Don't think one night you share your vision. That's it. There's also an atmosphere that gets created, an atmosphere of grace, an atmosphere of no gossiping, an atmosphere of, uh, you know, um, compassion on people. People have never been, many of the people that come to your core team have never been in an atmosphere where they can actually just be who they are and admit to you that they've been on antidepressants for 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. They could never mention that in their old church. But, uh, you know, here's something to think about. Over 50% of the population has been on or has been diagnosed with some type of uh, depressive disorder. You know, and what I find interesting about that is one of my first jobs uh, while I was in college, I was basically working in an office environment, cubicle hell. Yeah. (laughs) Cubicles everywhere. Yeah, indeed. As far as the eye can see. And I remember I made some some crack about, you know, Prozac or something like that to this one gal. And she goes, oh, you got to be careful what you say here because, you know, a lot of people are on that stuff. Yeah. And I didn't know it at the time, but it turns out she was on it. Yeah. I mean, we actually became really good friends. And I realized later it's because I was looking at things through my eyes. Yeah. Which is everything's fine for me, you know, fine yeah. in quote marks. I, I'm not on antidepressants. Um, I'm just high on life. <laughs> but But you know what I'm saying? Well. And you know, my, my best friend committed suicide two and a half years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I moved back to the country. I was all excited. I went up north, and uh, finally we were going to get to hang out. And he was in a place in life where he didn't want to be. So, And that guy loved the Lord, man. He loved the Lord. And so uh, if you think about it, church planner, just always think to yourself, half of my people have been diagnosed um, at some point in their life. Uh, statistically, Well, cross- it makes sense. I mean, I've got a very close family member who's struggled with depression their entire life. And yeah. it's been on, I probably is on medication right now. I think yeah. this person has to be on all their life. Well, and so like, you know, think about it that, you know, that's just, here's what I always tell people as an ex-psych nurse is that, uh, and right now it's okay. It's in vogue. After Rick's son, Matthew, took his own life, um, people started stepping. Rick took kind of like the very bold stance he took and said, this is going to be one of my passions. This is one of my goals now is to liberate Christians from the shame of this. And, um, and, and many of our young guys probably don't realize when this was, uh, you know, it was, oh, you didn't have enough faith or you don't love the Lord Mm -hmm. enough. Or if you read the Bible more, you'd, you know, the joy of the Lord would be your strength. And, you know, and, and, and so, you know, surely there is a time and place where maybe spirit and maybe the issue for your depression is spiritual, but at the same time, people are getting more educated that also maybe it's physical. Maybe you got some biochemical uh, deficiency there. That and there's lots of ways that God chooses to heal us. Absolutely, like it's not always like we had. Um, we actually had one pastor come to to Long Beach. That I think I understood the spirit of what he was saying, but I actually didn't agree with some of the things in, in the way that he put it. Yeah, and he's like, you know, when I got saved, I was you know didn't go through any withdrawals. I was a drug addict before that, and you know never again. So God did this for me; He can do it for you. That's great, but God may not choose to do it that way mm. for everyone else. And am yeah. I supposed to feel like less of a Christian because, or, or God doesn't love me as much, or I don't know, I, I still have problems between me and God because he didn't liberate me from this yeah. addiction yeah, overnight? Exactly. I mean, so I just had a, a personal problem with, with where he was uh, going Absolutely, with that. and you're, you're quite right for that. 
And, and the reality is, is so these people, they'd never been in an environment you were going to create in your uh, core team meetings. Um, they just meet every week. And remember, you should be eating a meal together because you really want to get to know people. Biblically, the way you get to know people is you eat with them, right? That's always, that's a theme in scripture. Leaven or unleaven? Uh, definitely unleavened, brother. And no levity. Pita or, or uh, <laughs> pita always. No, you, you know, you want to mix it up. You have a Mexican night, have fun with it. Do an Arabic night, an Italian night. I mean, Charlie and Julie have taken this, you know, to the extreme. I think they're, they're doing like Lebanese night one night and, you know. Are um, they really? Yeah, I think they do Dude, like Tibet night. Church. I think they've had Tibet night where they their eat church a bowl full of testicles. Yeah, man. <laughs> And, uh, but core team, core teams are fun. I mean, that, that is actually the sweetest time of a church plant because what you're actually doing is you are forming a very tight network of friends. And, and what usually happens when you join a core team is your life falls apart. And I I know we've talked about this before, but, um, you bond, uh, the worst stuff happens to you and you bond and you become a family so that when you're on mission together, you are really, you're so tight and you're so close and you got each other's backs. And remember, Jesus bonded with the 12 for three years, right? Mm. These guys were walking everywhere together, 12 guys hanging out. It was like a locker room, right? You know, throwing dirty socks in each other's face, farting on each other's heads at night, laughing, giggling, um, playing pranks on each other, um, developing nicknames for each other. Uh, they, they were a bunch of guys and they knew how to have fun. I mean, there's some funny stuff, you know, Jesus calls them Bonergies, you know, um, there, there just was all these dynamics with these guys traveling around. And of course they're spiritual, you know, they were about to turn the world upside down, but Jesus bonds them together. He teaches them, they travel together. So that's important. So that's, what's going to happen in your meetings in between your, vision meeting and what I call the core, I got to come up with a better name for it, the core team commitment cutoff date, which basically is, is the date at which you tell everybody, right, who's with me. It's like the Jerry Maguire, when he writes that things we think and do not say, um, he puts it in everybody's letterbox uh, or mailbox at work and then they fire him and he's like, who's coming with me? That's, that's the point you're at. You've got this radical manifesto and you're going, who's coming with me now? And as you get ready to do that, you have like the vision night where you said, look, anyone who comes beyond tonight, I guess you're coming, right? Um, just like the vision night. If you like the vision, I'll see you next week. And so maybe, you know, your, your period of time has been like six months, eight months, whatever it is. I would say maybe go six months, you know, and really lay down what it's going to be. And you'll know it might be three months for you. It might be four months. These might be people you already know. When I planted my first church, there were a bunch of strangers. Mm. I didn't know them. So we went about six months before we had the commitment uh, core team cutoff. And then once we did, this is how I announced it. I said, look, um, you guys have been here. You've gotten a feel for what we're going to do. But Jesus says no king goes to war unless he has the materials to build. Same with Gideon, right? Before they go marching around uh, Jericho, God says, take him down to the stream. And uh, he sends away thousands right. of men. So Gideon marches up from there with a very small band, but at least he knows who's coming with him, right? He knows that it's like Jerry Maguire, it's the goldfish and the secretary. And if that's all you got, if it's just going to be a small group, at least you know what you're working with. Because if they're not with you, you can't be assigning them things for the launch. You can't be giving them responsibilities because they'll turn on you like the week before and say, hey, I can't go, I'm sorry. 
So what you do is you lay it out that, look, guys, here's what we're going to do. And you set the date, which is the third date, the, the launch date. At the night that you're having the core team commitment cut off, let's say it's a, you know, a, a, a night in May and you're going to launch in, you know, September, you tell them, you say, look, guys, it's May. Um, you've been with us from February till May now, and uh, we're going to launch in September and um, uh, past tonight. You know, if you come past tonight, um, it's been great having you. Uh, we bonded. We've gotten to know each other and we will never be the same after this time together. But from here on out, we got to roll up our sleeves because we got work to do. It's time to put our hands to the plow. And so you're giving them almost like a pep talk, right? And what you're telling them is it's, it's all going to change from here. We're going to start doing outreach in the community. We're going to step it up a bit. Um, boom, boom, boom. And so if you're, if you're in, if you're all in, then I'll see you next week. And what that does is it, it provides like a, a turning point for people. They, they have to go away and pray and think about it and talk about it as a family and decide, are we really going to do this? Because what it means for them is leaving their church. And now you've given them um, a, uh, you know, almost like a transition. You've given them a doorway to walk through, right? They've got to step off one moving train to get on the other because it's going in a different direction. Hmm. So then what are they doing for, for outreach? What's the next step? Well, okay. Now that's a great question because the reason is, um, I mean, the, the, the reality is, uh, you're, you're not just going to do the same thing. Like you do have to go into the community. Like it would be really stupid to set a launch date without having actually gotten into the community that you're trying to reach. And what a lot of church planners do, and one of my major pet peeves is it, you know, like we talked, didn't we, about the guys that start off with like $250,000 in the bank. And they just go to, you know, this like marketing thing where they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to like sell all this. Uh, I mean, we're going to buy all this marketing and we're going to do all this and that. And then they just like try to blitz the area. And they're only kind of like Joey Turner said, they're only going to reach 20%. The 20% already going to church are like, oh, wow, a new hip young church. It's starting up in the neighborhood. Right. But how are you going to reach the other 80%? You have to get into that neighborhood. In fact, you have to gun. I, I, I tell church planners, uh, if you want to be a new breed, you have to make a promise. That promise is you don't take Christians for the first six months hmm. after your launch. So, like, you can remember, right? Like, like we're going to talk about Jimbo. Um, Jimbo's parents came, and they are kind of loaded. And I was like, hey, this is great, you know, like... In, in my flesh, I'm thinking, man, it'd be great to have Jimbo's parents because they're loaded. But, you know, I shake their hands. Thanks for coming. Thanks for visiting. And they wanted to ask questions about the church. They were interested because their kids were going there. Right. Both of their kids were going there and their, and their spouses. And But they weren't a part of the core team. And they weren't. And I just said, well, you know, and, and this really, like, you get a reputation for being a hard nose. But for me, it's to keep the vision we are here to reach the lost. I'm not going to sheep steal. I'm not going to fatten myself up with transfer growth. It keeps me honest. It keeps me on the edge and it keeps me doing outreach. And so, uh, I don't take Christians, right? It's the no Christians was allowed it, rule. Wasn't, um, Charlie just asking if Jimbo could bring his parents over to his church plant? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> hey, they're loaded. Bring them over. But, but, you know, the, the reality is, is that you are doing here. Here's the difference, guys. Um, what happens 
when you start off big with a huge budget and all that kind of stuff, like what we're talking about, when when guys think launch, they think you need a lot of money, you need a lot of ramp up, you know. And what I'm gonna, what we're gonna talk about probably for the remainder of the time is outreach, um, guerrilla warfare style outreach, outreach that pen or that penetrates, not not outreach. It's like this mass campaign um, that doesn't get into the apartment complex that, that, you know, is right next to the church. That's where you want to go. You want to be there. You want to have face-to-face contact. I was actually contact. thinking about the apartment complex right next to our I almost church. lost my life there last Friday night. Oh, and here's the other thing, like particularly in inner city, right? It, it's no different. In, so did in, you almost die twice this last <laughs> yes, week? Yes, I did. Friday, Friday and night Saturday. and Saturday night. There was a pit bull in on the third story in the apartment complex because, uh, you know, we we're handing out the, the invites. Because when I show up to an, uh, any outreach in the inner city, I learned this in Europe. It's the same in Europe. When you're in a lower economic area, um, it doesn't matter. Mass campaigns don't work. What you do is you walk the street, and you walk the street the night of, and that's where you get your crowd, right? Huh. Um, it, it's just strange. It's just dynamic. I, I, I haven't compared notes with other guys, but it's just always been my experience. So every outreach we've done that's been successful, I've walked the streets before. And so um, I built an entire youth group in Europe by walking the streets uh, the night before we had this whole week planned. And there was no way we could reach these people, right, unless we went face-to-face into the neighborhood, made face It's just how it works, right? So um, we, uh, we were walking the top story of this apartment complex, and um, this pit bull jumps at the window as I'm walking right past it, and this is not a glass window. This dog obviously has gone through plate glass windows before. And they've got this plastic <laughs> window on. And the dog hits it so hard that the half, you know how like you have two halves of a window? Mm-hmm. The half he hits bows out so far, he could have almost gotten his head through it. And so I get this muzzle come out through this. And then he goes back because the thing bows back on him. And he's doing that. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'll meet you down <laughs> on the floor because they went up the other stairwell and we were going to meet in the middle on the third floor. I said, I'll see you guys downstairs. There was no way I was walking past that window, man. But, uh, but anyways, going back to our thing, here's the deal. Um, outreach is going to be your friend. Okay. The, the, the thing is, is when you start off a launch with all the, you know, the, the pomp and the, and the, 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 what is it? All the, what's the word I'm looking for? The wind and the fury. Um, uh, you, you, you know, it's like a flash in a pan. You will get a big crowd. All the Lukulus will come out. All the Christians that go to other churches will come and check it out. All your buddies who want to see what you're doing, um, they will come check it out. The second week, they will not. And you will be discouraged. The people who came the first week who were just the Lukulus will come back and uh, they will not come back. And it will be very small. And then what will happen, these churches where the guys start off and you're like, man, that church has it all. They got this. They got that. What happens to those guys, the reason they fail is when they launch, they don't realize that a lot of the people who launch with them aren't really made for church planning. Mm. And it didn't suddenly turn into a mega church. And they get discouraged or they're not wired for that. And they go to the church down the street. That's thousands of people because you promised them you were going to be that. All of your literature pointed to that, and you didn't deliver. And so then what happens is the the church planner, the real church planner knows this is going to be the slow burn. This is not going to be the flash in the pan. 
So the, the wise church planner tells his team, this is going to be blood, sweat, and tears. It's going to be hard. It's going to be slow. There's going to be times you can get discouraged. Every soul matters. And then finally what happens is you get that one that kind of, you know, takes. And it's like a chain reaction. It's like a domino effect. And then people just start getting saved because newly saved people are excited. Yeah. Converted people, newly converted people, convert people. Right. And this chain reaction happens. That zeal, that excitement. Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. There's like a natural knee jerk reaction uh, of someone who's converted. You know, where they're just going to share the gospel. So let's get back to the outreach. What type of outreach would you recommend? (laughs) Okay, so, yeah. Um, Like I said, the the number one thing is it needs to be uh, on the ground. It needs to be face-to-face. And and what I would say about outreach with any community, if you're, it doesn't matter if it's the gay and lesbian community, doesn't matter if it's the addict community, doesn't matter who it is, the way to reach any culture, any group, any people, any community is to serve them. You reach culture by serving it. So that is the golden rule. So when you look at a culture, if I want to reach cowboys I, I or the MMA culture, you know, we, we could just go through it. Abused women. I look and I say, or sick, sick people, you know, Ronald McDonald House. I go, I want to reach, you know, the parents of, of dying kids. I'm going to go cook meals on the Ronald McDonald. Do you, you see what I'm right, saying? Like right. I would, I would serve it. So you reach culture by serving it. And that is, um, you know, one of the things that uh, people aren't thinking like that. No, actually, I think that makes so much sense to me. Um, you know, take a look at Josh Boyd, the uh, MMA chaplain. He clearly serves that community. Yeah. That's his whole deal is, you know, if you guys need us in your corner for your fight this Friday, we're going to be there. Yeah. If you need prayer before it, if you need this, if you need that. And I get that, I mean, probably not our listeners, because we don't get a lot of hate mail yet, but it's coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There'll be a time where people go, how can you be a church planner in the MMA community? How can you be, you know, and it's and like... Why do you guys talk about nipples so much? Because they're fun. <laughs> and they make me laugh. <laughs> but, so, I mean, I, I totally get that. So, like, I mean, it, it very much, in my opinion, dovetails into... Uh, we right now our church is in a school. So how did we reach out to the community this last week? Yeah, well it's amazing because, you know, in our community, I know we've talked about refuge in Long Beach a lot. Um effectively this was my last uh kind of day with them, really. I mean, I called up a buddy and said, you know, who who serves with us, uh and he from day one has kind of gotten what we're doing and um you know, has been watching it, you know, kind of like, wow, you know, how are you going to do this? And I called him up today and said, and that's how you plant a church apostolically and hand it over, you know, and that, that was what happened today, you know. Um, but our outreach, uh, what was is equally as important to me as handing off to a team was leaving a church that in its DNA had outreach wired into it. And so how we reached in a school, and, and you know, we'll talk particulars now, because how we reached a school was we served it. And how we served it was, because we're in a lower economic area, um, we had to look at using the holidays, because you always want a, an opportunity. What gives me the opportunity to talk? Well, Christmas is a gospel opportunity because everybody's doing something for Christmas, right? doesn't matter if you're Jewish, you might be doing Hanukkah, you might be doing Kwanzaa, whatever, who cares? But the reality is this is our excuse 
to make contact in a big way with schools. So what we did, like when it's back to school, we do backpacks and school supplies. Next year, we'll do uniforms because the principal came back to us this year. It's our second year doing it and said, actually, we need uniforms. So we find out the way to serve them. We say, you know, whatever you guys have a need. If you need to paint the building, but the district doesn't have the money, call us. We're a free workforce. Well, of course, there's issues with insurances. But this year, we said, look, here's what we're going to do. It's our second year in a row doing it, actually. We're going to do a toy drive. Because last year when we did a Christmas event, we took, we contacted the local Operation Christmas Child. We said, you know all the like toys that you can't send to kids because they're like the bad toys, you know, like guns and superheroes? <laughs> Give us those. So they did. And because we're a charity, they're like, okay, yeah. And so they called us up one day and said, uh, we have a pallet. Okay, you have to share this with people. How do I, I've never heard of this. Yeah, so when you do Operation Christmas Child, they screen it. What, what goes in your box doesn't necessarily get to the kid. Now, not to in any way hamper people, but they have strict rules. They tell you. Right, they tell you. Don't I put this it. crap in there. Don't put liquid in there. Don't put, you know, and people do. So we had tons of cosmetics. We had tons of uh, toys, you know, and they were like, you know, war. you don't want to send like war toys to some kid in Bosnia, right? Like you don't want right, to, you know, lost to his dad, you know, in a, right. in a mind blast. So you... uh so they have all this crap. Well, in Long Beach, you know, it's, that's tame. <laughs> so, you know, so, so we took all that stuff. And so you, you ask that. And by the way, you can do this like um, food bank. Every community, I don't, unless you're in like Beverly Hills, you need a food bank. And, uh, you, you know, so, so you can go. There's a couple places. Trader Joe's, if you're a 501c3 registered charity, and Panera Bread, those are, those are two of the best places. And most supermarkets will let you go as well. And, uh, and if you're a 501c3 and you give them a letter, they'll call you up and say, Hey, we got a bunch of food ready for you. And, um, and, and so you serve the culture. We're going to start a food bank in future. We're talking through that as a leadership right now. We just need a location. So what the reason we're doing that is because that's just going to, you, know, you got to talk to you is the uh, guy who runs North Long Beach, uh, the church in North oh, Long yeah, Beach. Oh yeah. Cause they've got a food bank. Oh, awesome. So he can tell you everything you need to know. Absolutely. Why reinvent the wheel? You yeah. know? So, so the deal is, is that you serve culture. And so what we did is we, we did a toy drive and we had people crying last year. I mean, it was really hard economically on people to begin with, but, uh, 60% of our neighborhood lives below the poverty level. So, uh, parents were crying last year. I remember a little girl last year coming up to a, uh, it was like two ninety nine. My wife had seen it in Dollar Tree and this little girl came up and said, Oh, it was a paint set. She came up and said, Oh, and she hugged it and said, this is what I wanted. And my wife started tearing up like, man, I bought all kinds of crap for my girl, you know, like that's, that's, but this little girl, it's two ninety nine at Dollar Tree and she, that's what she wanted. And she's not had a present like that. Hmm. We had parents there because we created this thing. We set up like this barrier so the kids couldn't see, it gives the parents some dignity. And we told the parents, look, pick out a toy for your kid wrap it and then it's from you or Santa or whatever you want it to be and uh, give it to your kid um, to, because they don't have and parents were behind that partition I'm not crying now but uh, parents were crying and saying you know I, I didn't have money for uh, for my kid I, I, I didn't know what to tell my kids this Christmas where did the toys come from this year well it, it was incredible this year we went to the mothership 
Oh, and okay. We we uh, that's our sending church. We have a bulletin board. We yeah. don't really believe in UFOs. As our, <laughs> as our yeah, I, I call your sending church the mothership. If you haven't picked up on my lingo yet. Um, you're a TIE fighter. If you're, it's the if you're Death a new Star. listener to the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you haven't picked up on the copious Star Wars references either, you know, um, you know, it's blasting Womp Rats back home with our T-16s. They're no bigger than two meters. But uh, anyways, the uh, so we went to the mothership. and But the toy drive, I should post a picture of this toy drive. Someone got... Like I was like, dang, I, I should have done that thing pastors do and run through there first and take all the cool stuff. But... You know, there was like this deluxe Darth Maul action figure, like in a shadow box with like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, dude, that's like when you're a kid, like if you're the kid that gets the Millennium Falcon, you know, like. You wouldn't have given that to your kid, though. You would have like given it to Libby. I would have kept it. But then been like, this is really, you know, daddy needs to make sure that this stays I, You good. know, I would have stuck it on my office shelf so remember, in my study to out, commemorate this outreach. The show comes out Monday morning, the 23rd. You've got a couple of days. Just saying, no, but it, it seriously, the presence, there were two wagons there. I like, and the wagon looks small in our picture because the, the toy drive was phenomenal. I had a dude in Carlsbad but tell them about, drop off three bags of ginormous toys to me and say, Hey, can you take this to Refuge Long Beach? Tell them about the, um, the other thing that we did, not just the toy drive. Yes, yeah, so because the reason why I bring this up is I grew up Baptist. This would have never oh, happened. Yeah, yeah, baby, never yeah. happened. It, it, we okay. So <laughs> so you know, like you go to Olin Mills or Kmart, um, J.C. Penney, and you get pictures done, right? Well, we we said, look, no one is able to get holiday pictures uh, in this neighborhood. Like they've never had. Um, a holly, you know, you send them around a holiday middle class. picture with, yeah, you middle, you middle white in class, a red and white suit. Yeah. Yeah. You middle class white people, you do this, you get holiday pictures. We decided pictures with Santa. That's what Pete, that's what Pete's getting at here. It was to, Santa Claus. We had Santa involved <laughs> with church, which I got to tell you, man, I told this to Jamie on the way home. Santa was so like against the Mitchell family <laughs> rules. He never brought you anything. Oh no, there, there. I never went through the phase we where were you thought, bad. where you, well, that's true, where you thought Santa was real. Like I never went through that phase. Yeah, because it was clear. No, Jesus is the reason we have Christmas. Yeah, and Santa's evil. Man, that's a so, killjoy. Well, but I believed it, right? So, my my uncle, one year gave me this Santa candle. Yeah. And my parents didn't want me to keep it. <laughs> He'll it, pray to it. It, it, it had Santa. On we know Pete. So I just I I just found it like I totally got it from an outreach perspective. Yeah. Like it's not like what are we gonna do? Oh, we've got a nativity scene and you can come get your family picture, you know, with little baby Jesus. That's not gonna work. That's not gonna get the community there. Yeah. I don't even know what the nativity scene is. So to me, I, I from an outreach standpoint, I looked at it and I loved it. Don Stoner there in a oh, Santa dude. suit. You guys have to understand about Don Stoner. Don Stoner, you know, like when you're watching The Incredible Hulk and like Bruce Banner, like the first Hulk movie, and they live out in the desert where they tested nuclear bombs. Don's dad was a scientist on that project. And, you know, when Don tells his testimony, he goes, yeah, you know, I basically grew up in the desert. My dad set off a big firecracker. And he says, oh, and I got to tell you, my wife always says, you guys won't get that joke. Because he's a nerd. You know, he's right. like an, a mega brain. His jokes. He wrote a book on uh, Einstein's theory of relativity. He did. 
Don Don debates atheists. He goes into the lion's den like every week and debates guys. We couldn't even understand them. We would think they were like Kryptonians. You know, they'd be speaking this language and be like, dude, I does not compute. My favorite t-shirt that he wears is the one where it says, and God said, and it's got all this mathematical equations. And then there was light or something like that. Yeah. And he goes, well, this is the, the equation for light, you right. know, and that, and that's like a nerd joke, you know, that's right. like a really smart people in Britain. You call him Boffin. So Don's a Boffin. Well, he was Santa Claus, man. Cause he's got this big white beard. Like he looks like a mad scientist and that's what he was. And in the U S I remember asking Don, cause he had this cool little sports car and Don is anything but a guy you'd think would like be driving a sports car around. Right. Cause he's wiry and right. you know real skinny and he's, he's kind of like one of those guys where he wouldn't eat if his family went away um he's like the absent-minded professor he wouldn't eat but he's extremely intelligent um and so it's always good to have don in your back pocket uh for outreaches and we did open mic night in the in the coffee shop um no matter what they asked don don, <laughs> don <laughs> right. like well the mayan calendar you know blah, 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 and we're like go don right but right. uh he's kind of like the the the, the, the philistines had goliath we had don so you know, what happened was uh, he played Santa Claus and he was, oh, and it, by the way, Don was on the project that invented the compact disc. That's what I was getting to. Right, so right. if you have compact, a laser disc, compact disc, Don helped invent that technology. So you can thank him if you ever come to Refuge Long Beach. But, but my whole point in that story <laughs> is like that really got the community there because, yeah. and then the deal was, you know, you can get your picture here and then you can come pick up the picture on on Sunday yeah. at church. Cause, yeah, cause we'll you got to print them out, yeah. but we were being clever. We're like, Hey, you know, I can give them to him that night. You know, we could set up a mobile print station. We said, let's give them here on Sunday. That's well, what that's you guys the also said is that you made the mistake when the parents wrapped yeah. the presents, you let them take him. Now yeah. looking back on it for next year, it's, Great, wrap the present, stick it over there. Yeah. We've got your name on it. At the end of the evening, that's when you get the present. Yeah, let me tell you some of the mistakes we made because this was a killer outreach. What it, what it was is in the cafeteria was set up. We meet in a school. In the cafeteria was set up Santa Don, and he would sit there and take kids on his lap and ho, 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 and what do you want, little boy, and all that. Sounds creepy, but it was cool. And then on the other side of a partition was what we called you know, the, the, the Santa's workshop or whatever where they could get the toys. And uh, by the way, if you're there and you're going, oh, man, you pagans, um, we did not water down the gospel. You got to hear how the night actually went. Um, in the auditorium, which is the adjoining, you walk through a hallway and you're in the auditorium. Um, in the auditorium, we set up an outreach. It was kind of like a, a variety show. And if you think about it, it's kind of like the Old Testament temple, right? Like you had the, the steps, you go up into the temple. When you first come in, you enter through the auditorium and there's like thousands of homemade cookies. Um, I don't know if it's up to thousands this year. Last year we had uh, over 2,500 homemade cookies and they were amazing. This year we actually at one point ran out, but we had so many people there. People were showing up to this event. First off, they were lined. The event started at five o'clock. People were lined up out the door at four. How'd they hear about the event? Was it just the flyers that you well, guys went around the well, neighborhood? This, this has to be said. We don't freaking know. Because the year before was a smaller night. We did it. It bore fruit all year. I mean, we got people all year. That was where we made inroads into the African-American community. This year we made further inroads into that, but we also reached the Spanish speakers this year, yeah. which was dynamite. So we've been really praying about that. But but we don't know because what happened was um, the the year before we did everything right. 
We went knocking door to door, put them in people's mailboxes. We hit the school. The principal said, I'll have the teachers hand them out on the last day of school. None of that happened this year. I got really sick. My wife had an emergency surgery. I got taken out of action. A lot of the stuff that normally happens didn't happen. Um, but I, I do know one or two people did take these cards and take them out. They just went for it. They're animals. Um, but we went to the winter Mike program. Ruben. No, no. Really? Some of our newer people. What's cool wow. in the church right now is that at the end of the night, the people we have now get it. Um, some of the people we start off with, there was some disillusionment and, you know, oh, what is this? And it was kind of what I was saying. If you start with people that are from megachurch, um, they often think, you know, it's just going to become a megachurch because you're a great preacher. Um, what actually happened with this church was we've picked up people now where they've come into this environment. And they're, they're wired for it. They're like, one guy told me the other night, he said, I do outreach to the raves um, every weekend. That's It's called Plur. And he said, I do that every weekend. And he says, and the hardest thing for me is I know what I'm doing on Friday and Saturday nights, you know, reaching these kids out there. It is, it is as frontline as you get. And he says, but then I go into a church on Sunday morning and while all these people are going to hell, it's like, we're just, we're just playing church. Right. And he's like, this is like a mission. So he said, I've been praying for years for a church like this, where there's not that disconnect. And so it, to me, it keeps coming back to the line. These are people's eternities that we're dealing with. Like we have to get off our butts as a church and do something. Dude, you know, you know what? I, I'm getting ready to write a blog where I talk about the fact that, you know, if there's 2 million Christians in the, in, in the world, right. We're in, or in America. Um, 2 million. Yeah. 2 million Christians, right. Let's say there's 2 million right on Christians. If that's it. Okay. Right. I'm making that up. Right on Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Like not, Christians. Not, I claim to be a Christian. No, but like, let's say there's 2 million right. We believe the earth is what, was it up to like 8 billion now, 9 billion, something like that. We believe that the majority of those billions of people are going to hell. And what do we do? We build fancy houses and we buy better cars and we basically don't give a rip. We ignore them. And this is the thing for me right now that, um, I mean, you, you know, I just got, I just got some of my missionary funding cut because, you know, um, people were working on the old paradigm, you know, um, where it, it's that you plant a church and if you're there for a while, it ought to be able to pay you. Well, what I do is what the reformed pastor, Richard Baxter said, that is that you don't take a full paycheck, you spread that out, you work with your hands, and then that way you're free. And I had a conversation with a lady today that said that she was talking to her pastor, and he said, you know, if I were retired, I, 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 would, I would go off into, you know, like Bolivia and do this, and I'd go into old folks' homes and do this. And I just looked at her and I said, at what point did ministry become the place where you can't do that anymore? I said, I am absolutely free right now. I just handed a church over. I'm getting ready to work with three separate church plants in North County, San Diego. We're looking at planning a church in San Pedro next in L.A. County. Um, I, I will eventually make inroads into Inland Empire. But the, the reality is, let's say I, I work with three church planters, right? And in the next two years, we plant a, three churches. And I'm there freed up because I'm not dependent on those churches for the gospel. Then I, each of those church plants has two church planters that rise up out of them. This is what the Apostle Paul did, right? Two, two more. So now you got three church plants. It produces an additional two. And I'm being conservative here. An additional two uh, church planters. Then the five-year plan is that now I've got 
six more on top of my three. I've just planted nine churches in five years because I've been freed up. I'm not a slave to the paycheck. The reason that we're not mobile, the reason we can't move on, according to Church Zero, cha-ching, is that we are dependent on the paycheck. Our model is what's broken. Because I know that pastor. And she said to me, well, don't you think he has a missions heart? I said, you know, it's not his heart that, that is the problem. He does have a mission heart. I said, the problem is the model that he finds himself in. And that's the issue. That's why I always advocate going back to uh, uh, places um, where in the New Testament, you're not dependent on a paycheck to do what you got to do, even if you got to work with hands. This is why people do not plant in the inner city. It's why we're not going to the communities that need the gospel. It's why the gospel's moving so slow. And, you know, part of my passion is to get people back to uh, being freed up so the gospel can go further faster. You know, one of the things going back to the, um, to the outreach, you know, we talked about this this morning. I called you cause <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, it's about eight 15. He'll be on the road. And I was thinking about, you know, the event that had happened Friday and I was only there for an hour or so cause I've got Excellent. a two year old. <laughs> oh, I forgot we we're going to tell the story, right? Oh yeah. So, so, so Friday night, I'm only there for like an hour, hour and 15 minutes because I've got a two-year-old. And anybody who's got a two-year-old, you know, once your your kid starts crying, it's like, all right, that's it. I Game gotta, over, man. Game over. I, I got to go. I got to leave. So, uh, you know, Luke starts crying. My wife and I were planning on going to dinner anyway because we knew it was going to last that long. So we go to uh, Outback. <laughs> And I text you, don't I? I'm you like, text backslider. me. Backslider. Yeah. So I get this, this text from Peyton. It says backslider. And then uh, it, it just so happens that I'm eating my salad and I get almost to the end of my salad. And in my salad is a black curly hair, <laughs> short black curly hair. You know what I'm talking about. You can't talk about that after we talk about nipples, man. It's too much. And I was so grossed out, man. And the manager comes up to me and he's like, would you like another salad? I go, I don't think I can ever eat another salad from this place ever again. He goes, well, it doesn't normally happen. I go, dude, I've been coming here for over 10 years. I know it doesn't normally happen. I know the owner. I go, it just happened this night, and I'm telling you, I'm thoroughly gross. So that, to me, was God's way of saying, yeah, you backslider. Look at what I put in your salad. Okay, so the lesson is do not leave the outreach early. Ever. Or you will get a short and curly. I will I will be coming early and staying late next time. <laughs> I will be talking to the people lined up at four four o'clock in the afternoon. How are how are you? My name's Pete. So here, here's, here's here's back to what I was saying. You'll get one in your cookie. We had a cookie party. Oh, let's not even one. go there anymore, oh, man. Sorry, let's just let's move past that in the nipples. All right, we're done with that. So 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 I you know I'm, I'm taking my shower this morning. And that's where I have all my great thoughts, right? And I, I was like, you know what? What we needed to do because you had mentioned some of the problems that we had with the Friday yeah. night event because. Um, you were out of commission. Yeah. Oh, shut up. Hello? That's the guy that hit me. Is it? <laughs> you were out of commission. So um, we had a, a lot of things fall through the cracks at the beginning. I mean, the whole night ended up coming off quite nicely. Yeah. But the thought that went through my head was, you know what? If we had had you know, a written game plan, a standard operating procedure written down, here's how we do the Friday night Christmas event. And all the different roles, like we had someone checking people in and taking yeah. their cell phone numbers, so that way we could text them. Um, 
we had, uh, you know, the, the variety show. Here's how, you know, people are funneled in. Here's how the table gets set up. If all of this gets written down yeah. and gets put into a manual, now the next year, because yep. you're going to have new people yep. every year in a regular church, but especially in a church plant, you can pull out the manual and go, look, we've even taken pictures. Here's yeah. how we do this. Yeah. And and that's so important what you're saying, because for me as a church planner, I'm the front end guy and I do all the risky, crazy stuff no one wants to do. But what you're talking about is um, that organization that needs to come into a church a little bit down. The, why reinvent the wheel the next year? What What these guys, if we had done that after our first year would have made the job a whole heck of a lot easier on the team this year. So I got sick, what, man. I got sick. I got taken out of action. I had nothing to do with right. this. I started it. I, I got the ball rolling, um, secured the venue, secured the magician, secured all this. And we'll get back to what we actually did because we haven't finished telling them that. But the reality is I got taken out of action. What was cool to me was this was supposed to be my last tango, you know, kind of like going out with a bang, my swan song. And... um and I got to take, it was like the Holy Spirit goes, no, man, I'm going to hijack you on this because you, uh, you're going to see what the team can do without you. And they rocked it, but they had to start over from scratch. They, they rocked it, but almost last minute. Yo, they, yeah, definitely. <laughs> We're definitely I mean, dropping the who's ball got left the Santa and right. suit? Well, I don't know. <laughs> who's got a Santa suit? Yeah, that's kind of the whole night, isn't it? The Santa but suit. See, if all of that's written down yeah. and it's like, this is what needs to be done. And you know the timeline, like part yeah. of a, an operations manual says it's going to take you, I don't know what it is, but let's say it's going to take you three weeks to get a Santa suit. So yeah. you need to start planning for that by this date. Yeah. And and then it, it makes it so much easier to then transfer that to the next guy. You know what? And, and it's so funny because this whole, you asked me, how do we get so many people? I have no idea. I do know that people showed up and they were texting people like, um, you got to come here, man. There's free toys, you know, or whatever. That's what you want. You want well, see, and that was my thought too. Is that because Saturday night, or maybe it was even Friday night? I don't remember when it was. I get this email from uh, one of the the uh, conference services that we yeah. use to interview people on, and it was like Santa's uh, voicemail line. You could call into this voicemail number, and so I did, right? And it's Santa, ho ho ho, and. If you were a good little boy or girl, just leave me a message with what you want. And it was like a, a really yeah. cool message. And then yeah. little kids can leave what they want on the line. And it's just a fun thing to do. And I'm like, dude, we could integrate that with the cards that go to all the kids. Yeah. And also integrate that with the texting system that I've already built and have in place that we talked about before in the magazine and stuff like that that we use it for the church. So all because, you know, kids are going to be using mom and dad's cell phone or whatever. And so then we could send a text out to everyone Friday yep. night. Hey, don't forget, Santa's yep. going to be here to get your family pictures. Just and just, then Sunday the text. Hey, come get your family pictures yep. and get people back. See, to the just church. so you know, too, like Pete is a marketer. This is brilliant because what marketers do is they want to connect and they want to keep that connection with people. So this is what I've kind of taken away from Pete. When Pete gets someone's email, it's golden. Right. And, and so with the text thing, you know, you've talked about the text system before that you use with church. That's how we get, we don't have people fill out cards. We have them take their mobile phone out. We have them text this certain thing. Then it prompts them for their email and we've got them then. Um, Pete has a messaging service. He can text them whatever we want for events and it's awesome. And, 
you know, this is the thing that um, we're, we're still working out how to best use this technology. But it's a thing that churches have tried to do by analog, the old fashioned way forever with those little cards, you know, and then they get the little thing. But this is something people are doing of their own free will. And now they've got your text number. They've got, you know, and it's just it's a text number you've set up. It's just genius. Yeah. And you've got it in a database. So anyways, going back to the to the night, though, um, what, we have no idea how it happened. But I do have to say this. The Holy Spirit on these types of events is amazing because they, you know, I had been sick for a number of weeks and they're like, they text me, hey, Peyton, where do we get the Santa? This is like Thursday night. The, the outreach is Friday. And I promised them I'll stay out of it because I missed the two planning meetings. Um, I was sick for almost three weeks and uh, or between my wife and I. And and so I said, look, you know, um, here here's the deal. Uh, uh, I'll stay out of it. But they text me that. And so I'm like, OK. And where are you going to find the night before an event, a full Santa suit that's right. worthy of pictures? Um, and, and I just prayed, man, cause there's like nothing. And I, and I always want to come back to this with, uh, our church planners is like, we worship a supernatural God. And I just felt the Holy spirit prompt me, like call Joe. Ute. And I called Joe and, uh, yeah, his last name's Oot. That's a great last name. Isn't that Joe Oot? And, uh, so I called Joe and I say, Joe, you got a Santa suit. He says, no, but I thought I should call him. Like it, it was a true Holy spirit thing. Um, next thing I know, like two hours later, they're like, I get a text from our guys. Hey, Joe sorry, he's got a Santa suit. He happened to be sitting in a home study from his work, right? Bunch of them formed a home study. And he, he just said, Hey, that was just my pastor. He just texted me about, you know, boom, boom, boom. And the guy goes, well, you know, my wife works for a real estate company. They just bought a Santa suit for some event. Let me have her call her boss. Boom, boom, boom. Sorted. Professional Santa suit. Delivered. And it fit? It fit Dawn. But he was the skinniest freaking Santa i ever seen. They put one pillow on him. He needed a bunch. Right. Yeah. But yeah, man. Anyways, so going back to this. So you walk in. Let's, but I mean, he's tall too. Yeah. But he was sitting. So it was kind of cool. You know, you couldn't really tell. But it fit him, dude. It fully fit That's him. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyways, people walked in towards the back. They got their cookies. And now here's where we kind of screwed up and we can learn. Like when you're talking about like writing a, a game plan for next week, you know, order of operation, all that. So people don't have to reinvent the wheel. Every outreach you do, church planner, just so you know, it never goes 100% right. Um, you always do stuff uh, kind of lame. You know, you may do some things really well. But some things you do lame because you just there are things you don't think about till you're in the thick of it. So here's some of the stuff we did lame. Um, number one, we learned last year, don't show long movies because here's here was the nature of the event. So we talked to you about the Santa hanging out in the cafeteria, the uh, presents being opened behind Santa's workshop curtain, and then in the auditorium we did almost like a variety show. So we had a professional magician, one of the top ten in the country. It was a miracle we got that dude. He was amazing. First trick he did, he walks out and he has this like cane. He turned into this giant like blast of fire. <laughs> I'm gone. You know, we're like, crap. He pulled rabbits out of hats. He uh, set doves free. I mean, he was doing he all kinds he of cool things. He didn't set the doves or rabbits on fire, did he? He actually pulled 
the rabbit out of a hat that was on fire. Nice. Dude, I'm telling you, this guy was insane. He's going to be at the Magic Castle in February. He's been on the David Letterman show. We should have never had him. These people have never seen anything like this. So, again, like people will talk in this neighborhood. This will have been a lifetime experience for them. Um, And it was the gospel. What was cool about it was all these people were going, you could see the bewilderment on their face. These are all lower socioeconomic uh, in, you know, probably no income, right? Earners. So, uh, they're coming in just, they're stunned. Why are you guys doing this? What, what, what is this? You know? And it was the gospel. It's just like when we're found by the grace of God and the love of God, and he's lavishing everything upon us, like the prodigal, we're shocked. We're in awe. We didn't expect it. It was the gospel in action. It was us blessing this community, showing God's heart to them. And, uh, so we throw this variety show. We got a guy who's a cartoonist, and he's up there with this black light and, you know, he's telling the gospel story and he's really creative the way he does it. He draws pictures and you think you know what it is. And as he's telling the story, he draws more in a different color ink and it fills in a different picture. It's really creative, really cool. And so he's doing that stuff. We showed movie clips. But one of the things we got wrong was um, they didn't get the memo from the previous year because I wasn't at the planning unit. I told him, look, you got to have like clips from like uh, different movies and tie them in with the gospel. But the gospels preach, man. I mean, people, everyone who took part gave some, and they put a VeggieTales video up. But that bores people. You have to have like five-minute segments. It has to be interactive. You have to do quizzes uh, from the front. You know, uh, who told, uh, what mythical creature uh, said goodbye to the, to, uh, the elf in the movie Elf or whatever as he's leaving the North Pole. You got to do that kind of stuff. You got to mix it up a bit. And it has to be fun. And uh, you got to get people up on stage and, you know, it just has to be variety. And then because what we were doing is we were holding people for three hours, right? Um, Would you shorten it in the future? I wouldn't because we were we were still getting people processed. Uh, but at, at one point, I'm like, we need to do that. But um, I suppose what we could do is run a program in successive layers, run it a couple times the same program and have people that go through the first program go into the next room, then bring in a whole room full of people again. And we may run into that problem next year. I think next year our venue will be too small. Right. Um, we, we had so many stinking people this year. But what we got wrong on that too was we let them take their presence. So they would be sitting in there and we called names because when they came through, we had a clipboard and we would call their name up. It, you know, depending on your order and about five families at a time and they go through and get processed and then they would take their presence. And a lot of the families are just gone home. Well, we still had more gospel presentation, a big invite to the church and introducing the Sunday school. By the way, our Sunday school was packed with neighborhood it kids. It was just freaking hot. My wife, uh, Jamie, she even goes, if you guys need more help, just come get me. <laughs> They're going to need more help. Because I mean, but I mean this morning and yeah. they didn't, they didn't come get her. Yeah. Because our son is usually the youngest one in there. They anticipated. And, you know, we serve food to the community. Um, there's all different. So we talked food bank. Was so good this morning, oh, too. Breakfast. Oh, it was. It was what, what was that? What do you call it? I don't it? know. I don't know what you call it. But chorizo. I, it was like chorizo breakfast burritos. I have some in the next room. Do you really? I took some, yeah. Right. So, so here's the deal. Like, you serve community. Find out what it is. You know, I, my buddy has a, a place up in Oregon. He's he's basically relaunched a church, and that place is all lower socioeconomic um, status. There, there's a lot of divorce, drunkenness, joblessness. Dude, I would do marriage counseling. 
That's the first thing. Or I do job seeking, how to train for an interview. How, mm. So you run those kinds of programs, you know, how do I, how do I get a job? Um, you might do tutoring after school sessions for tutoring. Um, if you're in an area where uh, people don't speak English good. One of the things that uh, Cheshire does, Cha-ching, is um, we haven't mentioned <laughs> him. We haven't mentioned him in a while. We haven't. I What's know. wrong with us? Well, he promised us a Winnebago, and then you know we stopped. That's true. He has to give us a free Winnebago. No, that's. that's I called him this morning. Funny enough, yeah. Nice. I say I'm waiting for my free Winnebago. No, I'm teasing. But, but um, I did call him. One of the things that they do in Colorado is they have a uh, driver's ed program because all the kids got to take that. And um, you know the you know the thing where you, you got to drive around with someone for so yeah. many hours. Driver's ed, yeah. yeah. So that's that's one of the things that they do, and it grows their youth group like crazy. crazy. He goes, that's the first thing I would do in California. Yeah. So I'd look and see what the costs are, and, of course, his model is, you know, let's just undercut all the competition because we just want to meet the people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the deal. Really, at the end of it, guys, we're giving you all these ideas for outreach because between the second and third date, your core commitment team cutoff date – and your third date, which is your launch date, you need to be doing this stuff. Like you actually need to be doing outreach. Yeah. Don't think you're just going to like throw a bunch of postcards out and get lost people to go, hey, you know, there's a new church in my neighborhood. I so want to go there. You build relationships with these. You get face to face with them. You get to know your community. You serve this community. And once you've built those relationships, you're able to say to them, hey, guys, guess what? Um, you know, we're, we're starting a church. And they know you now. You've got them. You've already been serving them. You care for them. You love them. They may have already been asking you. You may have already led them to Christ. But the bottom line is, I'm just telling you, last night or uh, Friday night, I sat there with um, uh, a girl named Chanel. She was an ex-gang member. She's a rapper. Um, she told me, she said two years ago, she said, I on, on a night like tonight, she said, I was not in a good way. Mm. And she said, um, even one, cause one year ago is when she started coming and she was all excited cause it was close to her anniversary with us. And she just said, I'm just telling you guys, you have no idea how much this church and you guys and the Lord have changed my life. And I just felt like experience after experience, I could see that happening in new people that we were making connections with people who came back to church this Sunday and stayed through the whole service and heard like Brandon Brooks's testimony, you know, um, where he's getting mugged at gunpoint because in a neighborhood with prostitutes and, you know, uh, drugs and, you know, a dude is just in a bad way sharing about his eating disorder he had, you know, I mean, it's crazy stuff. And people are hearing this going, there's hope for that guy. There's hope for me. Right. And so guys, that's it. You know, you, you don't, don't put, you know, everything on this big launch, you hear the myths. I'm not going to mention any names, but there's church planners out there that'll get you to believe that if you, if you just get enough postcards printed out, put enough posters up around the city and do such and such, man, you'll get this big crowd. Well, you may, but they'll all be Christians. And before we close it, because we do need to wrap it, we're, we're over our time. But here's what I want to tell you guys who are listening right now. Make it a point that everything you do in your church, you're going to put together an operations mm. manual on this. And you might be thinking right now, the same thing as I'm thinking, right? Oh, man, this is so much work. I can't do it. No, no. You need to have the person who does the job yeah. write the manual. Yeah. And so because it is still all volunteer, right, for the most part, everybody who's doing all these jobs, they're volunteering. Yeah. What I would do is I would get everyone on a conference call. You can use freeconferencecall.com. Freeconferencing.com is the one that we use because they've got a nice little iPhone app, and it'll even text the uh, 
the conference number and the PIN number to someone, and you record it. So you walk them through on a conference call. Tell me what you do step-by-step step when you're unloading the trailer and mm. setting up for breakfast. And they'll walk you through it. And you ask them, now, what about this? What about that? Because a lot of times we are what we call unconscious competence. We know what we're doing, but we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Like, we, we can't describe it. So you've got to walk them through almost like an interview. Let me walk you through this. And you're doing it on a conference call so you can record it. All the conferencing services have a free record feature. And then you transcribe that call. And then have someone who likes to do all this yeah. stuff. Have them take it, that transcription, and put it in a step-by-step. You love this stuff. There no, are people who do. <laughs> I'm not the guy. But there are people who do, right? And um, <clears throat> and you can have it transcribed, an easy way to have stuff transcribed, because I have it transcribed all the time. I've got a gal right now who's transcribing a couple of our <laughs> podcasts. You go to elance.com. You put up a job posting. It's totally Ching. free. We're not getting paid for that, by no, the way. You'll have uh, people from literally all over the world. And you got to decide. If this is something you're going to use, I usually want English-speaking people. Yeah. Um, you will get bids from people in the Philippines, from Indonesia. But because English isn't their primary language, like in the Philippines especially, you go to school and you learn everything in English. Yeah. But it's still not what's spoken at home. So it's not usually as good. Um, so for stuff that I'm going to actually use and other people are going to read, mm. I want a, a, an American-based person. Yeah. Amer- American-based. America-based person. Yeah. Um, even over UK, because that's a different type yeah, yeah, of property. Yeah, it is, actually. Absolutely. Spell tire, T-Y-R-E. Right. Right. So, but my point is, you can have it transcribed, and then you can just give it to someone. Hey, clean this up. Yeah. Take pictures with your iPhone. Yeah. This is how this is supposed yes. to look. Like, one of the problems we had at the beginning of December, because you're out sick, you had them pick up all these candles that they were supposed to put on the stage. No one put them out. They're like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with candles. He told us to bring all these candles, and we don't know why they're here. But see, if we had that in an operations yeah. manual where it's like, okay, the advent candles, here's what we're doing with them, yep. and pictures of them yep. on the steps. Well, now you just go, look, go to the manual. You can keep all yep. this stuff online. Yep. And and, and it's, it is invaluable. Some of you guys are going, man, that's not – but you're going to do if, – if this stuff is, is something that's working or it becomes a part of your identity – we will be known for this outreach. I'm just telling you, we're going to do if this outreach. If you're going to run a church more than one year, you should do it. Well, because you're going to do it again this yeah, year. Yeah, it would it would have been invaluable to us this year. Number one, would have saved so much work when I got sick because I worried a lot when I got sick and I had to let go, man. I had to just go, all right, Lord. And then last minute, when I saw they didn't have a Santa suit, I'm like, oh no, right. you know. But the reality is, you it's know, just Don sitting there, hey little kid, <laughs> sit on my lap. No, someone actually texted me a picture of a Santa Claus T-shirt. Oh. With like, you know, no. and they're like, hey, what about this? No, <laughs> you know, we're not doing crap. But here's the thing, you know, the uh, at, at the end of it, it, it we're going to do this every every year. If we had stuff like that in place, then no one has to spend all this energy reinventing the wheel. We can add new stuff. Well, see, and the other thought, too, that I've got because of what we do with the magazine and the podcast. Yep. I would say to you, church planner, as you do events, if you want to share that yep. with other church planners, give it to us. Yep. We can like work as like a as a hub to give the stuff out to other church planners, yep. and you know maybe we do something like where we 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 offer it for like ten bucks to other church planners, yeah. and we can do a rev split. It yep. becomes a revenue source for you, but it helps other church planners. Amen. That's what New Breed's all about, I'm man. Just, I'm just thinking, spreading the resources. Make it out loud. Absolutely. Well, hey guys, you know, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that we've given you a lot to chew on. We hope that you go away from this broadcast 
inspired, right? Just saying, man, I could go everywhere. There's a really good book out there uh, on on ministry in general, and it's called Church great. Zero. Oh, sorry. Uh, but but it's it's actually called The Trellis and the Vine. And it's all about kind of like the balance between what we've been talking about today. We've been talking about kind of like the cool frontline Holy Spirit stuff, like getting out there and being creative and, and doing all the risky stuff and meeting community and getting bit by pit bulls and all that stuff. But um, walking the neighborhood, walking the streets, you know. But then there's also, you know, any any vine that grows up, it needs a trellis to grow on. And that's the infrastructure. And that's what Pete's been talking about. Um, Pete's been talking about putting an infrastructure in place so that, you you, you know, you're just more effective um, in, in coming years. And so we hope today, if nothing else, you've been inspired and you've been instructed and you're like, hey, man, I, I got plenty to go on. But the number one thing with your core team, don't just copy what we've said and say, I'll just do that. Um, you look at the gifts of your core team, and that's something we can come back to and talk about. How would I determine what gifts are on my core team? So I know, because if you've read Church Zero, Chiching, um, chapter nine is called Gift Driven Ministry. And trust me, as a church planner, I've learned if you want to set a direction for how your church is going, you need to know who the Holy Spirit has equipped uh, or is it who he's equipped your church with? In other words, what gifts has he given them? Once you figure that out, you know what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your neighborhood. And so we'll come back and talk about that in another date. But we just want to remind you, if you want uh, to ever hit us with what uh, you've done, that'd be great. If you ever have questions, email us and uh, hit me if you want at uh, uh, www.newbreedcp.org. Or you can email the, I mean, uh, message the, the Facebook site. I'm losing my ability to talk here. It's time to stop. But uh, you can go to the Church uh, Planter uh, web, uh, Facebook site. And uh, great having uh, Pete. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Allow myself to Peter introduce myself. <laughs> um, anyways. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here, everybody. And thanks for listening. And we're reminding you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.